Hello and welcome to Stories of Strangeness episode 30. Three zero. We've done 30 episodes. I've actually kind of amazed myself. Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, not well, bad. for us anyway. Yeah. And this week it is a Zoe episode. It is. Yes, it is. So would you like to take it away, Zoe? I shall. Wondermost. Thank you. Who put Bella down the witch elm? Ah. <laughs> Did you know this was coming? No, oh, but okay. I know of the story. Yeah. Okay. In 1943, four children made a gruesome discovery. On the estate of Hagley Hall in Worcestershire is Hagley Wood. And it was in this wood that the children found a witch elm, which isn't surprising as it was incredibly common in England, although its numbers have declined due to Dutch elm disease. But anyway, what was different about this witch elm is that it contained the remains of a woman. On the 18th of April in 1943, the four boys, all local, were walking through the woods. They were poaching, looking for bird's eggs and the like to supplement their family's rations. When Robert Hart, Thomas Willits, Bob Farmer and Fred Payne saw the oversized witch elm, they thought it would be the perfect tree for birds' nests. Bob was the first to climb the tree, and as he climbed he glanced down and saw what he thought might be an animal skull. The boys took a closer look and saw human hair and teeth clinging to the skull. Now the boys weren't supposed to be in the woods. Technically they were trespassing, so they put the skull back and went home. They agreed not to mention it again, but Thomas, the youngest of the group, decided to tell his parents. The police were called. In the tree, the police found an almost complete skeleton, along with a shoe, some remains of clothing, and a gold wedding ring. The remains of a hand were found close by. A forensic examination was performed by Professor James Webster. It was found that the body was female, and that she had been dead for around 18 months, which puts her time of death around October 1941. A section of taffeta fabric was found in her mouth, which suggests she may have died from suffocation. It was also suggested that the body was placed in the tree very soon after death, while it was still warm, allowing for the body to be manipulated to fit inside before rigor mortis set in. You see, the tree was very wide, but hollow, she would have had to have been lifted and lowered into it. No easy feat. And because of this, suicide was ruled out. Finding the identity of the woman posed to be quite a problem. The country was at war. Missing persons were widespread and many. Even though the skull was in good condition, enough to get clear dental patterns from, and the dentistry was quite distinctive. No dentist were able to make a match, despite the fact that the details were sent countrywide. It was recorded that Bella, as she became known, was five foot tall, around 35 years old. She had brown hair and an irregular lower front jaw. She had at some point given birth. At the time of her death, she was wearing a dark blue and mustard striped knitted cardigan with a light blue belt a mustard-coloured skirt with a peach taffeta underskirt and blue shoes. It was noted that the clothing was of poor quality. It was the blue shoe that was initially pinned as being the piece that would solve the puzzle. The blue crepe-soled shoe had been sold locally at a market stall in Birmingham. The police were able to track down all but six pairs, so unfortunately it came to nothing. A year after the discovery, in 1944, 
a message was graffitied on a wall in Birmingham. The message read, Who put Bella down the witch elm? This led to further investigations, with the suggestion that the victim's name was Bella. Other messages in the same handwriting appeared at the same time, which led to the authorities believing the culprit knew the identity of the victim. But the culprit of the graffiti was never found, and that lead went cold too. So, who was Bella? One theory was that Bella was a sex worker from Birmingham. She worked the Hagley Road and had gone missing three years earlier. Another suggestion came a lot later, in 1953. A woman came forward, called Una Mossop. She made a statement in which she said her ex-husband Jack had confessed to a family member that he and his friend, a Dutchman named Van Ralt, had put a woman in a tree. I mean, that's fairly specific. It's mm. not the sort of thing you normally do after a night at the pub. But anyway, the men were drinking in the Littleton Arms in Hagley and a woman who appeared to be with them became very drunk and passed out. While they were driving home, I'm not quite sure why she was with them. It doesn't really state that. But anyway, the men put the unconscious woman in the tree with the thoughts that she would wake up the next morning and realise the error of her ways. Because, you know, that's a really good cure for drinking too much. Yeah. Waking up in a tree. Anyway, Jack Mossop was committed to Stafford Mental Hospital after he had a reoccurring dream of a woman staring at him from a tree. Jack died in hospital before the body was discovered, but his ex-wife had waited for 10 years to come forward, so many questioned the actual legitimacy of the story. And a reoccurring dream about a woman looking out of a tree. I'm not entirely sure that's enough to be committed to a mental hospital, but there we go. Another popular belief is that Bella was a spy. Remember? This was wartime Britain, so the theory is kind of plausible. The most popular story is that Bella was actually Clara Bowler? Bowell? I'm not quite sure how to say that name, as you probably guessed. B-O-W-E-R? No, B-A-U-E-R-L-E. Bowerly. Bowell. Bowerler. Yeah, Bowerly. but with a German accent. Okay. Anyway. She was a German actress and cabaret singer. The story goes that a German spy named Joseph Jacobs was captured during the war after he broke his ankle when he parachuted into Cambridgeshire in 1941. Joseph confessed under interrogation that Clara was his lover and also a spy, and that she too had apparently parachuted into England in the West Midlands. There is also one school of thought that suggested that Clara was actually the woman from the previously mentioned Jack Mossop story. But, although many believed this to be true, Clara was actually 5 foot 10 and Bella was only 5 foot. And it was also later discovered that Clara had died in Berlin in December 1942, although a lot of people think that was not true no. and was just a cover story. I've also read quite a few articles that deem the killing to be either a satanic ritual or the process of making a hand of glory. In the original story it was said that the hand was found some distance away, while other versions state that the arm bones and the hand were strewn around the tree. But that's all, it doesn't appear to have any information on other items found in the area, and if it were a ritual of some kind you would surely be able to find other things of symbolic meaning, offerings etc maybe possibly markings around the place as well. 
but I'm not an expert on satanic rituals, so I'm not really able to say either way. And as for the Hand of Glory, well, I didn't think that at all. I'm not even sure why they would suggest that, because if you don't know anything about a Hand of Glory, it's a much sought-after, supposedly magical item for those up to no good. It was believed it could keep a household asleep while the owner made off with all their belongings, or it could even make the holder invisible to others. And in pretty much every book I've ever read about them, to make one, you need the hand of a thief who has hung from a gibbet on a roadside. And there's a a very lengthy process of drying and curing, etc. So we see immediately that even if Bella was a thief, this wasn't a gibbet, and if they were making a hand of glory, they left the hand behind, so that doesn't work for me. Many assume that it is called a witch elm because it has something to do with witches. When the witch in witch elm is spelt W-Y-C-H and comes from the old English word, I want to say Weiss because it's W-I-C-E, but it might be Weiss or Weiss, yeah. But it means supple or pliable. But It could be something to do with witches, because there is an ancient tradition that the spirit of a dead witch can be held at bay in a hollow tree. So Bella could have been a witch placed in there by her coven, because apparently Hangleywood was a meeting place for witches, for want of a better word. So over the decades, the mystery of who Bella really was, or is, has kept many a true crime fan entertained. Was she a woman murdered in cold blood? A spy, a witch, a sacrifice, or simply a young woman with no family in the wrong place at the wrong time. We may never know because her skull and the autopsy report have gone missing. Or perhaps they were removed. Who knows? Whoever she was, she has intrigued us for almost 80 years and will no doubt continue to do so. Hello everyone, this is Brandon, the host of the Parunity Podcast, wanting to take a second to tell you about our show. The Parunity Podcast is your top choice for closing the distance between the paranormal groups. From ghosts, to cryptids, to ufology, we will discuss it all. The Parunity Podcast is aimed at promoting positivity and collaboration between investigators, and is geared specifically for those in the field. But if you're not you'll still get a kick out of the show as well, because you'll be able to think of it like Ghost Hunters talking shop. Tune in and join myself and all of our amazing guests as we entertain you with sensational stories of fantastic places, events, tips for your investigations, and so much more. And remember, you can find the Parunity Podcast on your favorite podcast directory and part of the Paranormality Radio Network. What do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting story. It's it's one that I've so read before. I don't remember them saying that the skull and the autopsy report had gone missing last time. It but... was something to do with the which I can't remember what the areas are called, but like there was a, a particular point in time where lines crossed and the area became the kind of what's it called region of a different right. And somewhere in the process of moving things about. 
they just disappeared. Yeah. So it could have been that it was part of the old police provinces or something. Mm. And when the police province changed. That's exactly what I mean. Province right was the word I was trying to think of. The Hand of Glory thing is right out because they left the hand behind, like yeah. you said. And it wasn't from a thief at a gibbet. It was from a young lady. A woman in a tree. Yeah. And there was, yeah, it's... But yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few things that make this story very odd. I mean, the first thing, why would you put a body inside a tree? It must have taken a decent effort. amount of effort. Or more than one person. Exactly. Which is like you say, if it was her coven, for example. They could have hoisted her up there and plopped her down. It's possible. The whole not being attached still. I mean, if she was there for a year and a half, there's yeah. a good chance animals could have got in there and pulled it out and pulled it to pieces. Yeah. But again, some said it was a hand nearby. Others were like, oh, the hand bones and the arm bones were strewn around the tree. And it's like, well, yeah. either way... Yeah, either way, it was definitely not a Hand of Glory thing. But yeah, it's it's odd, because you said it was in Hagley Wood in Worcestershire, mm-hmm. but the graffiti that turned up was in Birmingham. But which is only... It's not, I know it's not It's not far, very far away at but all. still, it's interesting that somebody in Birmingham seemed to know what was something. It? Yeah, well, the boys, I think, were that found her were originally from, were from Birmingham. Right, Because okay. it's, it's not that far at no. all. okay. And they went out there to do a bit of poaching and yeah, scrumping and bit, whatever Yeah, just else. a bit yeah. of a... But yeah, because I think the the graffiti is the first time that the the name of Bella is used. Well, I think the first time the graffiti was uh, written, it was Lubella. There's a couple of different places because it was on a wall, but it's now on a monument. Right. There's like in... Because Hagley Hall, Hagley Manor... Yeah. That's where the wood was. It was yeah. owned by a person. That's why they were trespassing because it's private land. Yeah. And there's a monument on there. Right. And this graffiti was done at the time, mm. again in the 70s, again in the 90s. Yeah. As recently as 2016. Wow. So but you I repainted did, it. But I just read somewhere that someone has defaced it. Rather poo put Bella down the witch tree. It now says hers. Like someone's done it in red and just tagged it, I think. Right. And and they were saying, I don't think the person who tagged this New. completely understands the historic significance yeah. of this original graffiti. So yeah. they're like pissed off with it, basically. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. It's like, you know, there's graffiti and there's graffiti. But yeah, that's it's really recent. So I don't it's the kind of thing where the story resurfaces every now and again. So I suppose people are yeah, like, oh, I'm close like, to that. Oh, I'll yeah. go and freshen go it up. But yeah, it, it. it appeared in a couple of different places in that vicinity. I'd like to see it done in like wild style. Stop That'd be it. interesting. No. It's always the same. I think they just paint over it. Right. It's it's not like it, it changes. It's just yeah. like freshened up. Which mm. it could have just be done by people from the hall thinking, we'll just get the punters in to come look at the graffiti. But, Almost certainly, to be honest, now, these days. But still, it's it's a bit of very, very weird history. Yeah, very weird. Um, a lot of people, at the time, the kind of, the newspapers were like, oh, witches in the wood, is it yeah. spies? It was very, very who, what. Yeah. Um, then there were people coming on, like, no, no, it's not witches, don't be silly. Mm. Oh, but it could be spies. It could be, oh, it could be this, it could be that. And then you had people come along and go, no, it would just be, it's pro- it could be a gypsy because gypsies tend to frequent that wood before they're like shooed out. They kind of pass through regularly. Yeah, it's because 
the clothing was interesting. So like the, the it was all kind of mustard yellow and blue. You, this is a time where women wore outfits. Yeah, but Mo- also the clothing was noticed as being poor quality. So it seemed like quite a an outfit, but then it was done in poor quality. Because to me, if you if you're poor, you wouldn't think of doing a mustard and blue outfit. I think you, I don't know. I don't think that's even a thing, my love. All right, because like, if basically you're talking about a time where it was kind of like the the whole make do and mend thing, but people made their own clothes. Yeah. So you bought the fabric you could afford, the wool you could afford, yeah, and you made it yourself. So when they say it was poor quality, they probably meant the fabric was poor quality. That doesn't mean the quality of the stitching or the making was poor. Right, okay. So, I suppose. And also, you know, that it could just mean that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't silks and it wasn't proper wool. It could have been, well, maybe not so synthetic back then, but, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it could, they could just meant it was homemade. Right, okay. Which yeah. was completely normal back then you know but again you know going back to that those people going well maybe she was a prostitute but that seems to be an odd outfit for a prostitute as well like taffeta and mustard and and blue again not some i i I wouldn't get caught up on the color because blue and mustard are a kind of quite classic pairing depending on but not for a prostitute, I wouldn't have thought, unless she was dressing to look a particular way for a particular client. But again, you know, taffeta, no. You wouldn't find many street walkers wearing taffeta. It was a slip, like a, like a petticoat. Oh, right, okay. I'm imagining like ruffles. Like oh, a God, no. No, no. 50s it's... style kind of, what do you call it? Like a Lindy Bop style dress with oh, like goodness. loads no, of no, ruffles no, underneath. No, 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 not at all. Okay. This is, it was literally just a, a slip. As in, like, a petticoat, which, again, completely plausible. Yeah. Back then, in, in, like, you know, you've got the 30s and 40s, women still wore their outfits. You know, you put together an outfit, even working class women, Mm. you had your outfits. You had your Sunday best, you had your work clothes, you you had outfits, because if you didn't have a lot, you made sure what you did have looked as good as it could. Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying if if she was supposed to be a sex worker, it just seems like a weird outfit for somebody in that trade to to wear. I'm guessing this is kind of a bit before the age of like you know mini skirts and fishnets, though. You know, yeah. if that's like what you're imagining, because well, sex workers basically just wear what's fashionable at the time, ish to a point, not so or what's much these available. Days, but well, no, yeah. not so much these days, but. These days, throwaway fashion is, you know, it's easier, like different fashions are easier to get hold of. Yeah. Wartime Britain, I'm guessing not so much. Yeah. Okay. All right. But yeah, it just seems like an odd way to dispose of a body if it was a murder or... I mean, it would be a weirder outfit for a witch to be wearing if they're talking about, oh, this is like some kind of witch wicker kind of crazy... Ritual, what's it? It's like, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, except, again, maybe a coven did put her in the witch elm, but she wasn't part of it. Maybe she was a 
reluctant sacrifice or something, you know, Possibly. and they kind of lured her out there saying, well, we'll, we'll join you with, into our covenant and had no intent of doing so. Possibly. But it just seems like a really odd thing to do. Like, if you accidentally killed somebody, if you were involved in a manslaughter, you wouldn't think, well, I'll stuff them down a hollow tree because you'd know that animals would get there. Yeah. And you'd know that they'd probably be found at some because point. Because also, you've got to know that that tree is hollow. Yeah. Because from the outside, it just looks like a big fat tree. So you'd think it's it's somebody with knowledge of the area. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. It's a really weird one because then, like, if you did... If you accidentally killed somebody, yeah. you'd be like, oh, shit, dig a quick hole, cover her up. Yeah. But would it have been planned? Because you'd make like, oh, hold on, I know a really good hiding place for a body. Let's go find a body and put in it. Which which then, again, lends it more to the kind of ritualistic thing or possibly some form of magical ritual or practice. I it's don't like know. we're putting them in the witch elm on purpose because of this. But... You, again, I, I suppose you know she maybe she was in theory a witch, and maybe some supposedly god fearing folk found her and decided to do away with her, but caught her when she wasn't in a witchy gear and just in a civvies. I'd go. I think I'd sway more towards it was either like a transient or just a, a woman with no family. That's why she was never reported missing, or if she yeah. was, it didn't quite match up with what they had not that i kind of like the spy idea but i feel like but even that uh, being a spy doesn't explain why somebody stuck her in a tree it, well, that's the bit that's the real I, stumbling block okay so if those boys had not been poaching no one would have found her but my point is boys did go poaching boys did find her so there is a good chance somebody would find her because it sounds like those woods were frequented by people. You were saying earlier, like, it's not that far away. People used to go there for all sorts of reasons. Like, you said that gypsies hung out there. Gypsies crossed the land when they weren't supposed to. Okay. The wood, again, it was, it was private land and they were always ushered they weren't supposed to be there so then the, it wasn't like it was like is, you know people were walking through all the time no but it, all right so then if if that's the case if it was private land did the police ever speak to the people who owned it because they'd know about it they'd know where a hollow tree was surely the people who owned the land probably wouldn't know about a hollow tree the gamekeeper and the groundskeeper might do well there you go then. but but again it's not if it's a wood, it's not a kind of cared-for wood. If it's just left wild, you wouldn't go around. Unless the tree's like... I mean, even if the tree's dying or dead, yeah, you wouldn't... If it's a wild wood, you just leave it to it. So, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. You've got to think what people would have been on that land at any point who might know that there was a hollow tree. Setting aside why did they put her in a hollow tree, but the fact that they did means somebody must have known there was a hollow tree there to be able to do it. Yeah, I said. But who? Who goes around looking for a hollow tree? Well, like you say, gameskeeper, groundskeepers. You know, those but, sorts of people would know. But they probably, this is the thing, they, I don't uh, know if they would. But and again, just because it's private land and it's a wood doesn't mean people don't go on there because those boys did. Yeah. Although I did think it was really funny. They kind of make out that these, they say boys, but the youngest one was 17. Yeah. I'm like, But they were um, called boys at that time anyway. 
which is weird because there were people that age who went off to war. What? Mm, shouldn't have been at 17, but yeah. But he was the youngest of the four at 17, yeah. so that implies yeah, yeah. that the others were older. Well, yeah, but it might only have been by months. Maybe, okay. But yeah, it's just it's it's just really... I can't wrap my head around why anybody would go... Right, okay, we've got this body. Let's shove it in a tree. But this is the thing as also... As opposed to, like, it dig a grave. They've said it would have had to have been a very short time between death and putting her in there because rigor mortis would have set in and they wouldn't have physically have been able to get her in the tree. She would have had to have been warm and soft and pliable yeah. to get her in there, which is horrible. Yeah. The fact that she had taffeta down her throat... That suggests they gagged her. It doesn't necessarily suggest that she was suffocated, but if she was yeah, gagged, but there's it was, a chance she was suffocated. Because also, with the amount of... They, because the boys picked up the skull, we don't know where the taffeta was in relation yeah. to anything and if that disturbed what was going on. Yeah, so it's just... I don't know. There's, like, there's so many questions. Regardless of why she was killed, Yeah, like whether it was... You know, spy, witch, or, yeah. witchcraft, ritual, whatever. The fact that they went, right, okay, we, we kill her. Now we have to lift her up and put her in there. Yeah. And it's like, are you going to use a hoist? Mm. How are you going to... Or did they squeeze her in sideways? Was there a little gap? I mean, but the thing is, if she's already dead, you could tie a bit of rope around her, under her arms, around her neck even, and just hoist yeah, but, her up that But still, way. you've got to get the rope up into the tree... To hoist her up. Well, you so just either- throw it. Throw it over, loop it around her neck, pull her up. But it still sounds like more than a one-person job. Yeah, even because if even if you've got a there, hide there, you've got to swing her over into the middle, into of, the the middle tree. of the tree. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. And again, time-consuming. Yeah. It I just would feel take like a, so, it would there's probably so take much as trouble. long to dig a grave. Exactly. Although people might think, oh, that will be more dirty or maybe more effort i'm like i'm not sure yeah but i just it it, it sounds like there was some premeditation is, is i what feel I'm like saying. there had to be yeah nobody shoved somebody in a tree you know and if the, if the planning was goes, premeditated oh, yeah. was the target premeditated or was it just a i've got this going on i'm going to choose the first person who yeah. does so and so oh here she is let's go yeah like you say, if it was somebody involved in espionage, that could have been that could have been the reason that she was killed or yeah, I don't know. I mean, the whole satanic ritual thing just sounds like bollocks to me. Quite frankly, yes. The whole it's, satanic it's, thing it's and the, the first thing people trot out. If there's a, a, oh, a murder God, with yeah. any kind of weirdness to it, oh, it must be a satanic ritual. No. No. 99.9% of the times it's definitely not. And the 0.001% of the time that it might be is absolutely up for debate. I, I think you're probably more likely to be murdered by a Christian than a Satanist. Historically speaking, yes. Yes. You're, def- you're more likely to be murdered by a hippo than you are by a Satanist, I would say. What about a Satanic hippo? Th- th- those odds are pretty bad, yeah. Yeah, so I'd heard this story before and kind of gone, oh, yeah, she was found in a tree and there was some graffiti and that was about it. But reading into it, I just thought it was really, really sad, the fact that they just never knew who she was. No, but like going back to what you were saying before about the graffiti, if the first graffiti said Lubella, that's not 
an English name generally, as far well, see, as I'm aware. Also, something else that they said about the dental records, because they said she had a very, very distinctive lower jaw. She had like very yeah. interesting teeth. Which, which these days probably would have been able to have identified her. Well, no, they, they, they did try, they did send those dental records to all over the country, yeah. to as many dentists as they could, and no one recognised them. No. So then they said that also kind of bolsters the story that she was foreign. Yeah. So, or that she'd just never been to the dentist. Yeah, or not in this country, like you say. Yeah, so that's like, oh, she, was, she must have been a spy then. Yeah. Or she could have just been one of the very like hundreds of like immigrants that we had. Yeah, well, this um, is this is my other thinking. If she was something like a gypsy or some other immigrant, we had go back to those days. And if somebody got murdered, the police weren't exactly on it in terms of it's just like oh, it's one I of mean, them lot. And there's a war you know, going on. Yeah, you know, you've got yeah, people bodies on, turn up every now and again. But this is it: people moving around the country. Like, yeah, you, you know the the refugees, just the the. The flow of people moving around the country must have mm. been ridiculous. Yeah, you know, it's just very difficult to keep track of exactly much and of if, anything really. And if you don't know where a person has has gone, I think another thing that kind of made me go hmm is that it said she'd given birth once, right? So yeah, where's the child? Do we know? Well, again, because you're saying you know she doesn't have any family, but. She's given birth, so she's got at least one member of family somewhere. If, but if, that, child if, survived, if that child survived, yeah, it's nearly because obviously the you know women that were without family or that had you know their family had died in the war or whatever were often recruited as spies. Yeah, um, because, because nothing to lose, yeah, no, no, exactly links. Yeah, I don't know, and it seems like we won't ever really find out because, like I said, the autopsy report and her skull have gone missing so even if they could go oh let's do some dna and see if we can find somebody yeah they can't but again it's it sounds like from the graffiti artist that they knew her so why did nobody ever come forward and and because you know to write who put you know lubella in the witch elm certainly seems like well you know who that is so therefore, you must know more, at least about her, if not about yeah. what happened. But again, they they searched through all the missing persons that they had, yeah, and, and none of them any. fit the name or the or the description. Yeah, it's, which means that no. I think one, it's I think it's the graffiti no that really her. gets me because without the graffiti, it's 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 just a weird story about a weird death. Yeah, but with the graffiti, it's like somebody out there knew something, something just a whether little it was snippet. just who she was or you know. And again, you know, they might not have known the full story. It might have been somebody they knew, but they didn't realise she was a spy or whatever. But without prompting, they put the, her name up there. Yeah. Which suggests they knew who she was, which but again... then, thinking of all the, the, the shows that we've watched where the person who knows who they are, they would become the prime suspect. Oh, well, you knew who she was. Yeah. Why didn't you come forward? Why are you just writing graffiti? Yeah, I suppose. And they just didn't want to get involved, maybe. But yeah. But by by writing the graffiti, you kind of are getting yourself involved again. Yeah. I, I guess it's anonymous, and you've got a way to kind of put the idea out there without actually getting directly involved. I don't know. It's it's just so it's so tantalizing weird. and, and just, annoying for it. Honestly, I I was kind of just flicking through my little unsolved murder mystery book and yeah. just went, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, Bella. I'm going to have a look and see if I can find anything else. Yeah. No, I can't. 
literally i'm sure hundreds of people have have thought about it and researched about it but there's not there's nothing else we can do yeah it's it's a very limited yeah um, it's like i've been listening to the well i've recently just finished actually the the death in ice valley podcast which is about a woman that was found in a remote valley in norway and this was in the it was in 1970 right and it looked like she'd have like a campfire out there or something and she was found badly burned and her kind of her arms had come up like this because she sorry i'm crossing my arms in front of my <laughs> body because that's what happens with burn victims because the, the muscles shrinks, contract yeah. yeah exactly and the skin shrinks and all that but they still haven't been able to figure out who she was and the the they they've done an entire podcast about it and they've had some really interesting leads and things like that. But again, they were like, she had like 12 passports in her luggage. Whoa. And it was interesting because immediately you go, she was a spy. But they spoke to a lot of spy agency people from around the world. And most of them were like, no chance. They'd have like two identities, maybe three max. Yeah. That's it. Because the amount of paperwork it would take to get hold of 12 passports and all the rest of it. Yeah. But like she was seen in Norway and there's people who are alive now that still remember seeing her and speaking with her and things like that. Oh, and wow. she had a weird accent and she spoke French and German and the German wasn't as good as the French and English. And I think she I vaguely had remember this smell some... to her that some people oh. said might have been garlic, which wasn't big in Norway in 1970. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, international food wasn't really much of a thing until the sort of late 70s, early 80s. Well, certainly not where I grew up anyway. There's <laughs> not much of anything really. But Fish. Um, pizza was a huge revelation for me. It was like, look at this thing. This is incredible. It's round bread with stuff on it. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then like Asian food was just like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. But yeah, I mean, where, where I grew up, it was fish and chips or forget it, really. <laughs> Anyway, you've digressed from your flaming woman. Yeah, but anyway, it was just interesting that there were some sort of parallels there. One thing they did think that she might have been was they thought she might have been some sort of courier, but maybe for like a spy agency or something like that. But then they found another woman that had very similar characteristics that they actually thought was going to be her for a while, and then they proved that it wasn't. But she was involved in like counterfeiting and things like that. Hence all yeah. the passports and things. Maybe black market kind of yeah. stuff. I feel yeah. like that would probably be a more reasonable explanation for having 12 passports. Yeah, exactly. Just to show pe- that it can be done kind of thing. Keeping you, people on their toes. You're advertising the product. Well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. if you're like travelling a lot. Yeah. Looping backwards and forwards. Yeah, but, but this then, woman had like signed in at different hotels with different names and all yeah. the rest of it, and or just yeah. drugs, just drug drugs. mule. Yeah, it could be because could then be. you know if you're flipping backwards and forwards, always using a different ID, they're never going to be able to track who you are, where you are, and, and when where you you're are. Going to and, exactly. and also that could explain why she ended up dead as well. Maybe she double crossed somebody. Yeah, it could be. You know. Yeah, it was. A, it was very. It was very interesting. Very good podcast. What was it called again? It's called Death in Ice Valley. Death in Ice Valley. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's well worth a listen. So I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before, I put a little shout out on the Facebook group yeah. to ask what people's favourite urban legends were. Oh. Jesse said the person hiding in the back of the car. That's classic. like That is a proper classic, isn't yeah. it? You know? Although I'm not sure if I saw a cheeky pinhead 
hiding in the back of the car from Hellraiser that I don't know if I'd want to get in and sort of say, you're right, mate, what's up? Where did Pinhead come from? Honestly, I, t- I explained this all to you earlier about the, the crossover with the, the threads from the Hellraiser lampshade. Oh, Randomly, right. what they, they got mixed up, but it was like, so Hellraiser, the, the Pinhead is now sitting in the back of the car. Right, okay. Anyway, that was, uh, but uh, I've got Bloody Mary, which yeah. is a proper firm, you Classic. know. But also, I am definitely not doing that, even though I don't believe anything would happen, <laughs> I think. But you're not going to take <laughs> the chance. But I am definitely not going to well, risk you have to it. say it in the mirror anyway, don't you? So as long as you don't say it three times and you don't say it in a mirror, yeah, it shouldn't matter. Yeah, but chances are I'd say it three times and randomly uh, there'd be a window or something reflecting me and I wouldn't realise. But Carl said Akamanto. Yeah, not, not what I've heard of. Okay, so I came across this when I was doing my yokai research. Yeah. And this dude turns up in its flowing red cape with a little blue sash. Yeah. When you're sitting on the toilet, yeah, so you, if you go into a, a toilet and sit down, yeah, this guy pops up and he says, the red toilet roll or the, the blue toilet roll, which is red or blue. Do you want red or blue? Right. Basically, whichever you choose is wrong and, okay. he, and he kills you anyway. So, okay. the, so what you have to do yeah. is ignore him or run away, which I'm thinking you're on the toilet so that's on the gonna... toilet and somebody slid out from underneath your ass. <laughs> no, he hasn't. No, be... no, he hasn't come out of the toilet. Oh, I think he I just kind he comes of out of the toilet. Well, I don't know. Maybe he does. Because I was going to say, like, if it's, you it's, ignore it's him, like... you just carry on shitting, and it's, it's just like, it's, Ugh. The, it's like a dirty version of the ring. <laughs> the well, which is lucky because you've probably got a dirty ring at that point. Exactly, but yeah. but yeah. So you're basically supposed to like ignore him and right. run away. So trousers around your ankles probably going to be a little bit difficult. Yeah. But yeah, I found that quite entertaining because I'm like. Oh my god, batshit crazy came yeah. to mind. What the hell? I don't think we've got. There's no kind of English toilet legends, is there? Do we? We don't really. I don't know. We don't really go in for that head, kind of stuff. But, yeah. Well, no, we absolutely do go in for toilet humour. We're renowned for it. <laughs> yes, toilet humour, but maybe not toilet legends. No. Well. Um. Know. Toilet legends sounds like the worst RPG I've ever played. <laughs> oh no! The fight it's, continues. It's the B Day boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah i'm trying to think of some other random i can't i yeah. just can't my brain just doesn't work like that yeah much. captain flush i don't know the bog roll bandit <laughs> yeah i sit upon my porcelain throne the, you shall not the baron of the u-bend i don't know <laughs> oh god the baron yeah okay yeah, so tell us what you think your favourite urban legend is. You can do that on the group and stuff, which we'll give you details for shortly. But yeah, let us know what you think. What's your favourite urban legend? Is it the hook for a hand guy or guy in the back of the car or, uh, I don't know. Beetlejuice. Slender Man. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that whole Slender Man thing. Yeah. Meh. It's like that Momo thing as well. I'm not really sure what that's about, yeah, but that- it's weird. That's, yeah. Yeah. People are weird. Yeah. People are weirder than urban legends. Yeah, yeah, true. Although, again, there was a, a good documentary I watched on Netflix called Cropsy. Yes, I was, yeah, that was Which was, it a starts out thing. by the, the filmmaker, the documentary filmmaker's doing a voiceover and saying that there was an urban legend in his city called Cropsy. 
that would come out and blah, blah, blah. And it turns out this whole thing was probably true and it was probably yeah. this guy. Terrifying because there but was by actually... by the end, you're really not sure if the guy might be innocent or not. So it's really odd, but well worth a watch for true crime fans that, out there. Was it in Florida? No. I can't remember, but US somewhere. I can't I remember mean, off the top of my head. P pretty big place, isn't it? Well, yeah, I know. It was somewhere. But it rules where... out everywhere else in the world, doesn't it? It's not <laughs> okay. in Dubai or anywhere. No. No, definitely not. Saskatchewan. Well, I suppose it could have been Saskatchewan. Okay. I don't know. Isn't that Canada? I thought it was know. a curry. My my geography falls short outside of, well, here, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. We do have a couple of little thank yous. Oh, we do, don't we? Yeah. A little yeah. thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for your knowledge, yeah. So Chris got in touch with us about the episode. Tiny yeah, about <laughs> the Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia murder episode where I mentioned reading a comic where a guy had lots of little people in him going from room to room in his d different body areas. It was the numbskulls. So thank you, Chris. And also thank you very much to Tom, who also told me it was the numbskulls. And also told me it was the Beezer rather than the Dandy that it was in. It was a comic called The Beezer. The which Beezer. Which was kind of like the poor man's Beano, I guess. But yeah, I do vaguely remember. I must remember. Because you I must have northern read it because, folk, I don't know. What yeah, are you doing up there? The Beezer, the Dandy, the Beano, and I don't know, whatever. They were the comics that were around when I was a kid. So thank you to both of those two. Thanks and for setting us right. So we are now just under 5,500 downloads, which is awesome. Thank you so much. And Holy moly. I wanted, yeah, isn't it crazy? And I wanted to just give a little shout out to some different areas around the world where they listen to us from. So by far and away, the most prominent place people listen to us from is the United States. So hello, everybody over there. Then the United Kingdom, then Australia. Hello. Canada, Good South idea. Africa, Gambia, fast now. India, Switzerland, Finland, Ireland, Romania, New Zealand, South Korea, Taiwan, Iceland, Mexico, and somewhere called Reunion, which I'm terribly sorry. Again, my geography was never my strong point. I don't know where Reunion is. But Maybe if I click on it, it'll show me on the map. Yeah. Apparently not. No. So, yeah, don't know. But thank you to everybody that listens. We we do enjoy doing the show and we enjoy that you listen. Cool. Reunion is an island in the Indian Ocean. Awesome. Um, Hello. It is an overseas department and region of France. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's located east of the island of Madagascar. Oh, right. Okay. That's where all the crazy CG animals are. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. I'll refrain from doing my King Julian impression. Please do. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's for the best. So, yeah, hi. Hello. On Reunion. We love you all. I, I hope that, I, I don't know if that's how you actually pronounce it, but hey. It looks a bit that way, but. He's got a really yeah. cool coat of arms as well. Awesome. So, where can they find us? Well, right now I'm in the living room. Yeah, me in too. In the living room, on the sofa. Yep, next to the cat. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Okay, hold on. Okay. I'm going to find my list because yeah. even though it's been a it year. Every time. Every time. Every I two don't weeks know for 30 episodes. Look, the fact that I keep coming back here is just because I've got our address written on my arm. So they can, they, it seems so impersonal. You. 
If you would like to contact us, yeah. send us anything you like. Actually, no, not anything you no. like. You know. Within bounds. <laughs> you can contact us by email, which is... Storiesofstrangeness at gmail.com. As we mentioned before, we have a page and a group on Facebook. Facebook.com slash storiesofstrangeness. That's the page. And there is an enter group button right there. Go nuts. You can follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash stories of strangeness. And if you missed any of that, you can find all that info. It'll be in the show notes. Hey, look at me remembering. Yeah. But also on our website. And again, you can just rewind and play that bit again if you really want to. So but there you our go. Our website is storiesofstrangeness.com. It is. That's what you were supposed to say. Okay. <laughs> but you've said it now, so it's fine. Okay, if you feel like treating yourself, we have a Redbubble account. We do. It is under Zoe and Mike, all one word. Yep. And there you will find random illustrations of stuff bits we've done for our episodes, but also our logo, which is uh, designed by Mike. Hello. And lastly, if you feel like supporting us in our hour of need. Lifetime of me. I was going to say, hour? (laughs) No, if you just want to support the show, help us along, we have a Patreon account. You can support us by donating... One pound a month. And that gets you our undying gratitude. Absolutely. And a shout-out on the show. And a shout-out on the show. And the second tier is... Three pounds a month. And for that, you get a little bit extra. You do. You dollar outtakes of us doing... Flubs, gaffs, goofs, mouth shames, and all the rest. That's an awful lot. It is. And we also do minisodes, which are about 10 to 15 minute episodes that we do for your listening pleasure. And occasionally we do time-lapse videos when we've done artwork to go along with the episodes, which we are terrible at keeping up with, but there you go. You can't rush perfection. <laughs> we can't even do perfection. I don't know what you're no, on. No, I don't know. So, yes, and also, obviously, you'll get a shout-out. And I think that's your lot. Not quite. Oh. Have we got, oh, we've got a fun fact. Have we we got, have got a fun <gasps> fact. You've got a fun fact, haven't you? I we? have got a fun fact. Snail's teeth are the hardest organic substance known in science. Which is insane. Yeah. Snail's teeth can withstand pressures that would turn carbon into a diamond. What the hell are snails eating that they need those crazy teeth for? That's what I want to know. I reckon snails might be some of the most crazy predators out there. Why, if they've got such hard teeth, don't they use that substance to make their shells? Yeah, it's because, a bit odd, you know, isn't it? You'd crunch. Think, cause, yeah, because then if you stood on one, you'd just hurt your foot. Yeah, you'd be like, oh my God, I've trodden a rock. Oh, it's moving away from me now and laughing. I guess the problem, though, would be if the snail was out of its shell when you stood on it, it, it would, would chop, chop it. it in three. So instead it just gets smushed anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's not a perfect system. And it'd be able to hide in there from birds and stuff. It would, and meteorites and yeah. gunfire and, yeah. Armageddon, you yeah. know, Ragnarok, whatever. Yeah. everything, all of it. And there's just, it won't be cockroaches, it would be snails. That yeah, just live on a snail inside a massive tungsten ball. If you know, then you know. And on that note. I think we're going to go. I think I'm definitely going to go. Ta-ta. Bye. Love you.